Hi, it's Karen from See Me, Hear Me, Love Me. We're the podcast for parents with young children, and we know that life with kids is messy, but we're here to celebrate those messes, from spilled milk to emotions spilling out of little volcanoes. And you know what? We really believe in you. You got this, and you're not alone. I just want you to know a little something about your host. Karen Deerwester is an educator, author, and all-in cheerleader for kids being kids. Karen has been a corporate spokesperson as well as a reasonable and reliable voice for kids and parents in print and on TV on NBC, MSNBC, NPR, Parents Magazine, and many more. Best of all, Karen leads the parent-child classes right here at B'nai Torah Congregation of Boca Raton, Florida. Get ready for some fun, a ton of encouragement, and maybe a little inspiration. Today's podcast is, What Stresses You Out? Well, that's a silly question, isn't it? Life is stress. Life with kids is messy, unpredictable, and in a million ways chaotic. But let's find out what sends our moms at the square table over the stress edge and how that stress ebbs and flows throughout the day, the week, and the year. I have two strong, sassy, independent women at the table with me who more often than not laugh at the stresses of life, but I'm pretty sure that doesn't make it less stressful. I have Julie Deutsch and Wendy Parker. So let's start with general stress status and we can move to the specifics of those stressful challenges of living with kids, getting them to cooperate, how to have sane routines, and the things that sabotage all your best efforts. Julie, you were the first to volunteer for this. Um, how's your stress? My stress level is um, at a constant. Um, I'm a single mom. I have a two-year-old son, and I am a full-time working parent. Yeah. So um, every day is a new challenge. And every day after school is a new challenge. I'm currently dealing with trying to get rid of the binky. Okay, okay. Um, so the first thing that Spencer says when he gets in the car and I pick him up from camp school, I call it camp still to remind him that it's still a fun place, even though good, school good, can be a little intimidating. Um, so I call it camp, and every time I pick him up from camp, the first thing he says when he gets in the car is binky blanky. Sweet. Binky blanky. Sweet. And he needs it for now. How old is Spencer? He's two. Okay. Um, and it's been a little bit of a challenge emotionally for me because my college roommate is a speech pathologist. And since Spencer was a year and a half, she's been telling me what terrible damage this binky is going to do to his mouth and his future. And he's going to just, you know. Okay. So let's, I mean, so we have constant. And right. I'm going to, but let's, I'm going to play with this for a little bit, Wendy, before I turn it over to you. Let's, so we're going to come back to that constant hum of stress. Okay. But then you have this, oh my gosh, my son is attached to something he loves and cherishes. And I want him to have the comfort. And yeah. here I am allowing him to do something that some fabulous, well-informed professional is telling me hurts him. Yes. Um, so there's the stress. There's, there's the, the stress, stress of parenthood. Absolutely. And, and there's a million versions of that. And so I want to talk, I'm going to talk about the specifics of Binky, but I also want to talk about 
the how you get through those decisions and how you feel, because I think that's what really the heart and soul of this podcast is, is getting pulled in a million directions, the things that, that keep you in quicksand or overwhelmed until you make that decision and find your way through. So, the, so yes, every speech therapist and every dentist in the world is going to say it's ruining their teeth. Um, I heard Brazelton, now this was a long time ago, this was 20 years ago, and he said, you can fix teeth, but you can't fix self-esteem. So for every wonderful professional that has something that they're very vested in, you will always, and here's the other stress of your lives, is that there's no right answer, and, you've, and you will always be chasing your tail until you figure out where you feel or fit in the stress equation. So is it right or wrong for a two-year-old to have a, two-year-old to have a binky for right now? I'm going to say... Tell me. I'm dying to know because <laughs> I don't know the answer. He needs it today. He needs it tomorrow. As at two and a half, you're going to have a lot more st- emotional strategies and skills of what else can I use to comfort, excuse me, to comfort myself? What else can I use to feel comfort after a stressful day at school, even though I'm two and a half, because being at school is stressful and their worlds are stressful in age-appropriate ways. So um, so do you not know we have a pacifier tree out there in the playground? <laughs> I do, and every time we drive past it, I let him know. I say, Spencer, do you see all the little babies who have grown up into big boys like you are take their pacifier when they're done with it and they hang it on the tree? Yeah. Um, and every day it gets a little 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 bit better and I'm able to stretch the time between the last binky and the next binky which has been tremendous so you're seeing progress so a general parenting principle I think is when you see progress when you're trying because the other thing about the binky isn't just it's not about the binky it's about change like there's the stress Mm -hmm. is I'm asking him to change I'm asking him to grow I'm asking him to take on a challenge that he's got some of the readiness for but not all of the readiness for so it is really a connecting the dots and what does he need to be successful at this and so there's the cognitive there's the problem solving and then building in the emotional skills and the understanding and the see me hear me love me so two points for how to ease a little bit of the stress for him every time you say the word big boy and wendy who has two children what happens is but i don't want to be big Because you don't want, some of us and some little people don't want that expectation and will resist and rebel. And depending on the age and stage that they're at, watch out for that. If you see a resistance rebelliousness when you start setting new expectations and challenges, that might mean, oh, pull back a little bit. Let's. And so what's the answer for the pacifier tree? And I will email you the list. Um, or maybe I even have in the classroom the, the tips of how to use the tree. What it comes down to is when you're ready. When you're ready, I know you'll put your pacifier here so that you can see it every day. And so then he can still have a connection to it, that he can feel inner pride rather than an external push or pull. Uh, But again, I think what you get to see is just a little binky, not a little binky decision, but a big binky decision becomes the the microcosm of everything that happens with stress and change. (sighs) So great example, great starting example. 
but now I'm coming back to you before I go to Wendy. Okay. So where does, how does that, I hate the word, but how does it resonate with you about stress and binky and the challenges you face as a mom making that decision and connecting those dots for him? So because I have to make all of the decisions and I love that responsibility that there is nobody that I have to ask and I don't have to confer with anybody yeah. or, and I can just make those decisions. Um, it does weigh heavily on am I making the right decisions? But I also know in the back of my mind that there are no right or wrong decisions per se, um, that everybody's kids are different and everybody's parenting styles are different. And um, as far as stress, it's it's hard to see him cry. Yeah, um, He's going through that phase, what I hate to refer to as the terrible twos, because... I've actually listened to people before and say, don't refer to it as that because you'll visualize it as that. Yeah. And so I don't. And I think he's been terrific since he turned two in July. But there's evolution and you see the changes and you see the tantrums. And, you know, those are just, they're stressful because yeah. you don't know what it takes to calm them down sometimes. And you want to be able to give in. Um but without being walked on or stepped on. And, yeah, yeah. And it's, it's, you want to have control. And, and there's the other stress of parenting is you're always walking a tightrope. It's like too, not too much this way, not too much this way, what's just right. And two more things about the emotions. And if you want to come back to talking about how your stress is so wrapped around their emotional life. Um, I mean, this is my mission for the whole new year, and that's emotional intelligence, social emotional skill building and this idea and why are the two so terrible because they are fighting so hard for emotional independence and for the sense of self I mean it is so so it's not that they're terrible it's that that it is just so emotionally complex in their little worlds in their bodies and their minds and so full of contradictions and it's not rational it's not by any of the logic that we problem solve with so you actually have to have that flip the script to get back to how to connect with them through it. And the other thing and our, was our discussion question for this week. I mean, we're approaching Yom Kippur. And so our, we read the book, My Many Colored Days by Dr. Seuss. Love this book. And it's about feelings as colors. But what I asked for the parents of the younger children was, as I'm reading this book about feeling brown and slow and low down and black and, and howling at everything in my world, how do you feel when your children have these other emotions? Because there's the real challenge of the world not being quite right and forgiveness and mistakes and all of that is, how can I be okay when my child is sad, angry, confused, full of doubt, completely not getting the goodness that I have to teach. So you've got this struggle of their emotional life completely upsetting your emotional life and creating stress. There's our burden. There's, I mean, and, the, and it cannot be otherwise. Well, I have one more thing to say because I came up with a workshop that I'm getting prepared to do, um, a webinar for some teachers in New York. There's a, there's a really scary study out of MIT, and it was Simon the Robot, and what it said, it was a, it was a whole bunch of work on artificial intelligence, and small children and aging adults were preferring um, robot caregivers to people because 
They didn't get angry. They didn't get frustrated. They didn't get impatient. And so my struggle, it's a, it's a thought, but it goes right to stress. And that is we live in a world where people don't want to deal with the messiness of relationships. And, and that is something, when we think of stress of parenthood um, and stress of being with kids, it means really embracing the tantrums, the, the volcanic stuff, this, the meltdowns, because we have to be ready to embrace the messiness for them to grow into full human beings and not neat, tidy robot people. So, end of speech. Sorry about that. Okay, Wendy, you let us talk for a long time. Tell us about your kids and where your stress and stress moments are. Oh, well, I have a son. He's three and a half. His name is Ryder. And I have a daughter, Jordan, who's eight months old. And my son has a little speech delay. So that's been a big challenge for us and a big stress. Mm-hmm. Big stressor. Okay, so go right to that one. Where's the stress? Because we know half the parents out there, whether they're being recommended for OT, for PT, you know, there's a lot of support services that are helping children thrive developmentally. And while the early childhood and professionals are like, oh, this is all so great, take advantage of it, no stress, it's not that easy. No, it's not. And we got all services, and he had therapies Monday through Friday, um, for about two hours each day with all different ones. It was pretty stressful when I was pregnant, and he's now in an, an elementary school, and it's still stressful. It's definitely better. Mm-hmm. Um, but potty training with a speech-delayed child is very stressful. Yes, yes. Uh, we're still working on it. We're almost there, but not quite. He knows what to do. He won't tell us. Yeah. He just runs and goes. Okay. But in school, you can't do that. So you have to tell the teacher that you have to go to the bathroom yeah. instead of just trying to run out of the room. <laughs> right. And so now he's got all these new self-management challenges and meeting the other expectations. And again, yes. there's a real common stress. And I don't want to, I don't know how to just, I don't want to just keep pointing out the stresses, but it's like they are inevitable. And there's the one that says at home, we can create all these adaptations that, 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 that understand you and protect you and guide you. And then you have to go out into this world where the rules are different. And that's a huge stressor. How are you embracing or allow... Go ahead. She just made the best face. I mean, that's a big journey for you to take as a mom. Well, the accidents that are deliberate is pretty hard to embrace, but you have to for potty training. Um, and I, I try and tell him that it's a big boy thing, and you know, I'm very proud of you. Look, this is your baby sister. You have to teach her how to do this one day, and give him, you know, the tools to feel like he can be someone to teach someone else yes so want to actually do it versus you have to do it right now so do you see him responding well to that like yes I want to be that person yes. or like he'll help me throw out her diaper he'll come over um and he will after he goes to the potty he comes up to me and he says potty but it's after he goes yeah, yeah. but he he is embracing it he is starting to see that he's a big boy but there are when 
he's mad at me. There's an accident, a deliberate accident on the floor. Okay, okay. And then he comes over to me and laughs. Okay, huge challenge because now you've got big behavioral dynamics that are, that are, mm, I, that are let's say the word designed, to push your buttons. And, and okay, so oh, and sometimes they do. And of course more, they do. More than often. Of course they do. And they, and but there's the, and there's a real challenge because once children know what pushes your buttons, then they have that inappropriate power that says I can go for this. And if you and and that just and and there's that whole struggle in parenting which is what can I control what can't I control and when you can look at your child and you know I can't force you to go potty I can't force you to sleep when I tell you to sleep I can't force you to eat what I want you to eat when I want you to eat it the way I describe it in the book the entitlement free child is you can't manage the kids that's not your job because we can't manage people that way what you're doing is managing the, the moment, the situation, the routines. I think of it as bumper bowling. You can't, you, you, all you can do is put the bumpers up that says, you know, I, oh, really? You did that for me? And then think of how you're going to fix the situation. Are we going to clean it up together? If he's, if he's going to escalate. I him clean it up and I say, oh, we don't go pee-pee on the floor, and I hand him the paper towel, and I do the spray or the Lysol wipe, and then he does the paper towel to dry. Okay, and if that's working, don't change anything that's working. But here's the thing. You, you're, watch your words, because your words not only challenge them, but they also may frustrate you more. And what you said is... We don't go pee pee on the floor. Well, he does. <laughs> you know, like, ha ha, mom. You know, like, of course I can go pee pee on the floor, you know, anytime I want. So, what you might steer is, 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 is it, you know, it's it just say what you mean, mean what you say. And so it's the, wow, I'm not happy when you go on the floor because now we have to clean it up. Um, but you know what? Next time or, you know, pretty soon, I know you're going to be able to think ahead of time and put the pee-pee in the toilet or the idea. So hold the goal. Okay. Hold the, especially if it's a test. And if it's a testing, don't even bother saying and, and it. And it's definitely a Just, test. Just if it's a testing, cry. okay, then, then, <laughs> then don't even say we don't pee on the floor. What you say is, guess we need those paper towels again. And, and, I, and you might, again, back to the emotional literacy, you could come back with, funny, it always happens when Jordan's crying. Like, got me. You know, like, and you can, be, you can give him the wink-wink, you got me. But you, but, but you really can't get me. So it's it, every time you're giving attention or allow, I mean, again, we're human, the buttons get pushed, that's teaching them a great, they will finesse in the workplaces. <laughs> they will finesse the world in social skills. You know, that is part of social repertoire. But it's, if it adds to your frustration level and your stress, then you just know you're going to keep escalating. Button pushing. Back to you, Julie. And then we'll come to Jordan. So something I'm dealing with right now is hitting. Um, I don't think he hits other kids, but he hits me. Yeah. And I love those twos. <laughs> me too. I love every minute of it. I love every minute of everything. But 
it's it's scary because of course I'm not only thinking about the today of hitting me, but yeah. what does this mean for him in a year, five years, ten years? What kind of person are you? There's be? the stress. There's <laughs> the stress what factor. Are you going to become yeah. if you're hitting your mother? Why are you hitting me? <laughs> and so I'm really trying to figure out because I I don't have a lot of experience with children, um, and. I'm figuring everything out really for the first time. Yeah, I yeah. have nieces and nephews, and so everything I'm doing is, is really from scratch, and I'm trying to do everything right. Um, and I, I, I look at him in the eyes, and I say, you're hitting your mother. And I look at him trying to evoke some kind of response from him, and he looks at me, and he'll hit me again. There you go. Okay, so, so, so let's one. decipher that from their emotional point of view and, and try to, I mean... Because uh, I think that you'll see, and 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 this is this is a tricky double-edged sword. Because I don't want you to feel like you have to have the education degree, the psychology degree, or all of this in order to understand your child's behavior. But it does come down to, did it work or didn't it work? And so I like to say, you hit your mother. I mean, you, you're doing a beautiful thing that says. It's not okay to hit your mother, right. and I'm your mother. You know, like there's birth to you. There's there. <laughs> How dare you? There, there's there's a lot of nuance to that, and and I think you're really good at communicating big nuance. So I think that that is a skill that I love. But what happens with that is, and and this is this is the watch if you're going to escalate the stress, and that is, you're trying to evoke empathy. Absolutely. You know, like, well, like, I don't, you know, I don't need you. I can't let you be like the class bully or the future psycho killer. Therefore, this is, and and so we all know, and everybody out there that, you know, whether you have us to say, it's normal, breathe, we don't accept it, but it's part of growing and experimenting and all of that, to anything that any child does is normal for them here and now, and how do you build connect the dots, teach what they need to teach. Um, but you could go on any online forum and they'll tell you kids hit their mothers all the time or, or someone. <laughs> That's good to know. So, I, I just, I'm not, so, okay. but, but what you just gave in that example that was so perfect is you're making a plea for empathy. Like, can't you see that? Can't you see like, I'm not okay with that? I know you're a wonderful little boy. I know you didn't mean to do that. Whap, here it comes again, which is I most definitely did mean that. And so what does that tell us about their emotional life? I'm trying to tell you something. I'm trying to tell you something I cannot articulate in words. And, and I don't believe, especially with two, um, at two and a half, you know, you can start using some of the emotion vocabulary. Even at three and a half, I mean, it's very tricky. What I like to go with is, hmm, you're mad about, you, you know, like, you're mad about something, you know, like, you could just give them the emotions, or you could say, now isn't the time to teach empathy. If they're not responsive to it, it's like trying to teach a child to say you're sorry when they're not sorry. What happens is you say, say you're sorry, and then they go, sorry, 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 and yes. now you create something you have to actually unteach, right. which is, I want you to feel deeply when you hit someone. Right. That sorry means something. It's that not sorry just a means word something. That you say it, after you right. That's right. It means to actually understand why they're sorry. Right. And that means you have to describe the effect of that behavior. So you go to the child, if, if a sister being hit, and you go, "Oh, Jordan, I'm sorry your brother hit you," or vice versa, so that they're like, "Wait a minute." 
the, the child to child is easier that way than child to parent. So I'm going to start with that. So so now you're giving empathy, and and they're like. Well, how come I don't get attention for hitting? Like, I'm not even getting scolded. I'm not even getting the negative attention. I'm not pushing buttons or getting a reaction. The person I don't want to get the attention is getting attention. And and they've got a bond that now I'm excluded from. Now, I don't mean it in some sort of... But but it is a... It is a showing the kindness, the empathy, and the compassion. So when he hits you, it's... Oh, you don't you, you don't like it when I say that. You know, when in doubt, describe the moment. You know, so it's whatever provoked the hitting. Or it's, wow, you needed to hit me? I need to back up. You know, like, because right. I'm not going to let you hit me. You know, or, and just letting him know it's not okay, and you don't give him the second chance. <laughs> Always get out before the second he's chance. Yeah, he's a strong little boy, too. <laughs> well, and he's got a lot to, why does he hit? Why do you think he might be? When does he hit? You know, I'm not. I'm not really sure of the why. I'm not really sure of the why. I mean, he has my full attention all the time. Yeah. Like I said, it's the two of us, so it's constant attention. Um, I don't know. I don't know the why, and that's kind of what's upsetting to me is that he gets so much love. There's not a ton of. So know, describe a situation where he might have hit you. Where? Okay, so when we're going to sleep and he doesn't want to go to bed. And he'll come out of his bed and say, come out. And he comes out and I'm sitting in his chair right next to his bed. Um, and he'll stand next to me and he'll smack my knee. Yeah. And I'm aware it's because he doesn't want to go to bed. And I'll look at him and I'll kind of remain calm and say to him, it's not okay to hit mommy. Yeah. And he'll walk out of the room. And I sometimes just sit there and I don't want to yell at him and I don't want to, you know, he's two. So I know that like spanking him or reprimanding him or yelling at him is going to have no effect because there's no he's two and it doesn't and you don't even need it at four and five and older um there are so many better options where you can be on the same side and still setting clear boundaries and limits but go back so so i i really sometimes i just remain quiet and i let him go through his moments and i kind of almost ignore him where I'll let him walk out of his room. You don't want to go into bed? Fine. I'm going to sit in this chair and wait for you to come back. And he'll go out and he'll expect me to chase him. And he'll start going, ma, 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 ten times. So you have this great game I'm going. laughing yeah. to myself yeah. while I'm sitting in the chair. But eventually he'll come back in the room. And I will tell him it's time for bed. And sometimes he'll hit me again and walk out. And we'll go through that routine a couple of times. But eventually he does give up and go into bed. So I know that that's working. Okay. Kind of like the ignoring him. Yeah. And letting him. And you're okay. It's not doesn't frustrate you or stress you out to be a part of that dynamic oh, it for now. Me beyond belief, but I know that I don't have many alternatives. Wait. Okay. So let's go there right now. Okay. So so here's the question. Um, the stress. We'll just we'll just wrap it as a stress question, and that is, I get. Of course I get. You don't want to hit, yell. You don't want to bully. You don't want to intimidate. You don't want fear. All of that. Good. So does that mean that you put yourself in a stressful situation <laughs> that doesn't work for you indefinitely? And, and that's where I want to put out there for the world, maybe that's a, a choice that's creating a great deal of stress and it's allowing children to steer what's working and not working in the house when they're making a choice that's truly not working for you. So what's your alternative? And, and then I think it comes down to this problem-solving scenario of, look, 
I'm hating bedtime. And here's the other part of stress um, and button pushing and all of that. And that is what we know from research is right brains read right brains. So while you're saying, I'm not hitting, I'm calm, I'm, I'm, I'm this, I'm this, I'm peaceful parent who hates bedtime. <laughs> so, so the thing is, your children know you hate bedtime. And they know they that feel they, they feel it, of course they feel it. And so what happens is they, they've got this extra hour window of I can push her this far before she's gonna really tell before I have to give up so it's not you're not just waiting them out they will always wait you out way longer than you have patience for but how do you shorten that window well so so the one option again and I don't think there are right answers I think it's when if, if we're talking about a problem-solving scenario my strategy is it, how does this feel? How, try this on. Does it work for you? Does it work for your child right here, right now in this situation? And so what happens is he you, you say, I'm just, he hits you again. And, and you say, what, you had, you, what, what words did you use when you were telling him it's time to get back in the bed or... I say it's bedtime, Spencer. It's time for bed. Did I say something specific? I, you said something before, and it was like there might have been a different way to tweak that. But it so so I think what it comes down to is he's not in bed, and like Spencer, do you want me to sit here until you get quiet in your bed? Don't even say sleep because you can't guarantee the sleep. So choose that word really well, and he's going to say yes because he wants yeah, you there, there right. and say then I need you to climb back in the bed. If you're going back out of the room, you know, you know, and you can say for like he's too young to you can't negotiate the time deal. So the so now the question is, so I'm playing out this scenario of the problem solving. If you say I'm not going to sit here. That uh, you have to, you can't just go out there because that's what he wants you to right. do. So he's trapped you. He's so good. Yeah, he's so I mean, smart. imagine this. He's trapped you in this room, so that yeah. you can't leave the room or the chair. Because if <laughs> I lose either way, if I get up, that's right. I can't leave him in the room because he's not going to get into his bed and stay. I there. I love this. And if I leave the room, and if I stay in the room, he's going to run out of the room. Talk either about way. talk about stress and talk about a two year old with a ton Control. of power. Yeah. yeah. So, so now, but it's not working. So, I mean, we could wait him out. I mean, you know, and you could say, okay, I'm going to go get my iPad or, you know, like you, you could like, I'm going to do work. If you're not here, I'm going to do work. And he probably doesn't want you to do work in that chair. Phone mommy and take my phone. Oh, there you go. So there's, that's where I would start. I would say, if you leave the room, mommy's going to do her work here. If you want mommy to sit with you until you feel quiet and ready, then we'll do that. Those are the two. Those are win wins. So, and you're and and we call the the phrase that I used once was flip the script. And you think of it as improv. All of parenting is improv. <laughs> so it's like you're saying yes. I can't force you to do this the way I want you to do it, but I can start steering this in a way that truly is getting towards yeah, a win right. for me. Right. So absolutely. He and and it's so simple because it's not that complicated in the sense that of course he doesn't want you to. He wants so much control that if you just say I'm on my I'm okay great I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna text my sister your aunt boom he's gonna he's gonna be like that's not how I. I planned it and he'll come running back and then the other scenario if that didn't work would have been okay I'm gonna go do dishes or I'm gonna go to, I'm gonna go do something else when you're in your bed call me again it's how do you steer it 
towards what you want. And here's your other principle of discipline is you cannot set a discipline limit, goal, or, or condition until you're kind of sure how you can enforce it. Excellent. Because No, I always say if you do that one more time, like today when we came home from school, we went and we bought some new trucks at the store. And we came home and he wanted to play with it and he started to throw his truck. And I said, if you throw that again, I'm going to take it away from you. And of course he threw he it threw again. again. And the minute you take it away, he throws himself on the floor and starts screaming yeah. and crying. So there's that, do I just give it to him and just let him throw it while I do my work over no. here? Or do I take it away and let him scream and... Okay, so two answers to that, and and this is exactly where I wanted the podcast to go, which is all the day-to-day stress of all of this. So so here's what happens with the testing situations. An all two-year-old's test, and if they don't test at two, they come in with more language and more cognition at three and four that is brutal. So better testing now than a year from now, but the testing never ends from now till college. So so you have so here's what happens with the with the, you write that college. No 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 no, I have a question about your testing comments. So 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 here so here's what's going to happen with the trucks. First of all, do I just let him throw trucks? If you are in a if you are in a complete pattern of testing and negativity and you're saying a hundred no's a day and bedtime let's say you got to deal with bedtime and mealtime, don't make a testing out of the car. If if there's nothing he's going to break, a sister that he's not gonna hit, just walk out of the room and go, whoa I, I don't play throwing trucks, you know, or I'm going to go do something else. If you want me to play with you, let me, you know, you just right. give them power and control. So no, you don't have to make every, choose your battles. Don't have to make everything a testing situation. But in terms of how do you know it's testing and the meltdown, it's testing is if when you give, if you, if you give them, you give into what they want and they up the ante on you and throw that, it again meaning? and throw it again, hit again. All the, then now it is a pure testing situation where they need the limit. They are, they are saying, I am in an oppositional stage. I am defining myself in opposition to you and everything in the world that I know. And I will throw myself against those prickly spikes. And if you soften a spike, I will up the ante and find it again. And that is pure development. That is, I am a child trying to find my own person and define myself in relationship to all of that beautiful attachment and bonding. I am making big circle arms here because that is the attachment bubble being kicked open with independence. And that's what the terrible twos are all about, which is I am fighting tooth and nail to be my own person. At the same time, I need you more desperately than ever before because I'm in emotional quicksand. <laughs> and it's my favorite age. <laughs> because, and if you figure this out now, the power balance and the control and the emotions for the teenage years will be a thousand times easier. And so easier because here's the deal. And this is, here's the other stress. Everything people will say, come and potty train my child. Come and do this. Come and do this. Come and do this. If you avoid the struggles age by age, you are less equipped to handle what's going to be built upon it. This is your foundation. If they are, if everybody, you know, is going through some version of this, or you look and go, this is who my child is, then this is the foundations of them becoming the people they are going to be and you becoming the family you're going to be. Exhale. Okay, so test. Oh, but you had a testing question, and then I'll come to Wendy for a question. I'll come back to it. Okay. The testing. So 
uh, last week, my son decided to take spoons out of the drawer and throw them in the locked cabinets because they like open slightly. Oh, you had the best, the best so p- uh, childproofing I story ever. Ran to Bye Bye Baby and picked up like thirteen magnetic locks, <laughs> and one by one I started to install them. So not all of them are done yet. Okay. I still have four left, but he won't go to those four. He stopped because he went to the drawers. He pull, pull, pull. He's like. Why can't I open Why can't this? I open this? Then he goes to the next door, and he's like, ah! And I'm just standing there kind of laughing <laughs> because I know that they're not going to open. Well, he pulled hard enough, and the drawer mm-hmm. went flying. And I said, okay, well, if you break that, we're going to just take that out of your savings account and buy a new drawer with another lock. And he looked at me, and then he went to the other drawer that was locked and tried again. So finally, he's like, Okay, these are not opening. So he tried a cabinet, and it just so happened to be the one cabinet that I locked. And he was like, <gasps> and he had like a little meltdown in the kitchen, ran to the other room, sat down, and screamed for about two minutes, went and got his blanket, and came back and started playing like, like calmly, it, 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 like it never happened. And I was like, <gasps> it worked. <laughs> it worked because once they know exactly where the boundaries are, what's okay and what's not okay, and you have a way to, I hate to use the word enforce, but to really hold the ground, then it works. But both of you said, and here's the unavoidable part. They're going to be angry. They're going to be frustrated. You know, when they get that, that when they get the response that they will inevitably demand from you that at some point you have to say no, at some point you have to say enough, they are shattered. They are crushed. They are like, what do you mean? I couldn't throw cars and do crazy things with spoons. So so here's the and, and so here's the other part. So yes, you and that's the other stressful part is wasn't there an easier way? Couldn't I have taught this without the struggle? Right. Without the, the, the complete chaos? No. It's part of the process. It's pa- it is absolutely part of the process. And and what do they learn from it? I am resilient. I am resourceful. My mom loves me. She protects me. She keeps me safe. The world has boundaries. And, and I will eventually learn how to manage myself so that I can make good decisions. And so here's the other thing I just want to add to both of that is, and, and I've said this on a million podcasts, is at the end of the day or on the car ride home from school or at breakfast, wherever it's nice that you can reflect on what was what worked today, what didn't work today, you talk about the moments. And you say, well, remember when you were throwing those cars and I had to take it away? I wanted you to play with your cars, but I can't let the cars fly. You know, it's however you say it is just you need to know that I had to protect, I had to say no, and I like it better when when you play this way or, or with the spoons. You know, like, remember when you had to test every drawer? Do you know why I locked those drawers? Because we need those spoons for dinner. Like, we, I can't give you those spoons to play with. And that wasn't a good game. But if you need something else, we'll find another game. You know, we can find that perfect game, but but I can't let you play with our spoons. Because cause I'm not going to buy spoons every week. Or we'll go to the dollar store and we'll get you your spoons. But they're not going to be as good as the, the spoons that are in the, in the dishwasher. 
So I try to have somewhat of a rational conversation with my two-year-old, like he's an adult, and, and, and say exactly what you just said. And in the back of my mind, when he gives me answers, like I'll say to him, who did you play with at camp today? And he says, Ryan. Now, Ryan is a child who he played with in daycare before he came to school here. Yeah, yeah. When he comes home from school every day, he's still playing with Ryan. And yeah. there is no Ryan in his class. Yeah, yeah. So when I try to explain that to him, like I'm talking to him like an adult, or if I'm trying to say something like, remember that time with your cars, I really wonder at age two how much he's actually able to process. Start the process. Don't talk at him or over him and experiment with it. At two, he's ready for it. I recommend this starting at 18 months. Mm. And so, but when he says Ryan, you don't, it's it's kind of like talking to somebody with Alzheimer's. <laughs> you know, you just say, and it's improv. Yes, and. So he says Ryan, you go, oh, I remember Ryan. He was at your other school. And if that school has a name or a location, if he can start sorting, then now you're putting in that concept of same and different. Yes, you had two schools. Yes, you have friends. I mean, it's how, and so what's happening when you do this, you are engaging the concepts. And, and, and so some of it, and then you watch and see what he'll pick up on. And here's how I know, and here's the tricky part of the mystery of all of it, and this is why I love early childhood. Many years ago, I had a little boy, his cat died, and he's a little over two. And mom's like, Brian hasn't noticed, so I'm not talking about it. And I'm like, don't, don't do that, don't do that. At two and a half, Brian says, Mom, I haven't seen Fluffy for a really long time. So what happened? So now he's now he's looking for Fluffy. So here's what we know about language cognition in little people. He will remember something that you don't even remember, but it takes a long time to filter through and come out in some well-articulated, rational, sequential way. So in his mind, Ryan still exists. Ryan is his buddy. I asked him today, actually, as we were driving home, I tried a different approach, and I said, "What is Ryan a boy or a girl? Because in the other place, she was a girl. Uh-huh. So he said today, a boy. And I said... Okay, what color is his hair? And he said, black. And I said, what color are his eyes? And he said, blue. And I'm like, I have to quote the teacher when I get home to make sure that there's not actually a Ryan in his class. Yeah, because, yeah. But it was a conversational kind of You are still, have the experiment. Have the experiment. And even if you're just explaining in some one or two sentence way what, what worked today, what was hard today, and how we're in this together... There's the ribbon on the day. You know, it's still a bonding. It's still a, I got your back. We're, you know, it's still, it's still, and it takes away some of the guilt and stress of discipline and teaching them the almost unteachable. <laughs> but, but, but it is the building blocks. So, and, and in terms of imaginary conversations, I used to do a lunch and language with two and a half year olds. And I used to say to the parents, just sit back, just sit back. And, and I would sit at a table and ask all kinds of questions. Where does your, where does your mommy and daddy work? Where do they go during the day? What color is your car? I mean, starting with very simple questions to like, do you have a dog or a cat or a pet? Everybody had dogs. Everybody could describe the dogs, the color, the size, the name. And the parents are in the back there going like, no. 
Is two and a half really a, the pivotal point? Is two and a half a very pivotal point? Two and a half is where you're going to see a whole new level of emo- emotional understanding and cognition. Um, but again, the hat fears of the disequilibrium times, and it's it, it's all, it's 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 it just keeps going in this crazy cycle of of con- confusion and clarity, confusion and clarity. <laughs> That's but what it feels so like, yeah. yeah, I I think I feel like I'm just in confusion. <laughs> okay, it's 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 hard. Okay, so any so now about Jordan, you have two children. So Jordan's eight months old, and she just randomly started standing and letting go, and so now my stress level has grown by a billion. Yeah, because I'm terrified that I'm going to have two crazy monsters running around my house. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> again so it's it's the hard and it's the it's the what ifs what if he's going to be the bully and the and the hitter in the class what if they are going to be more than i can handle and the bottom line is and i and i think i'll use this as my closing statement there is one thing that matters in parenting. I read this in the 80s. I have seen lots of people quote this, um, and it got lost in the shuffle, but it doesn't matter where you fall on the spectrum of parenting even, um, from attachment to a little sterner. What it comes down to is an internal locus of control. If you, th- if you wake up, and every time you have those doubts and fears, you go, I will handle it. I will handle it. I will, I will figure it out. If that becomes your stress antidote to, you know what, whoever they are, I'm going to love them. Whoever they are, I will celebrate it and do my best to teach them and have the world understand them. Done. Done. You know, it's it's what I want to give them. It's what I want to give you when you walk through my, my walls there. You know, it's... It's the best you can do, but what your children get from that, rather than frazzled, and, and it doesn't mean, you know, I, 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 no illusions here. The stress is going to continue. But instead of them looking at you as frazzled, panic, desperate mommy, <laughs> you know, it's okay that they work you over for bedtime, you know, for a few months, every few years. They're going to work you over. It's, it's their job. It's your job to creatively find your way back. But to know in your heart of hearts, you don't scare me. You can't scare me. I got, I got this. this. Yeah. Um, I think that's, that's really what they need to know from you. And if they feel that from you, then they feel safe, they feel secure, and they know you're the grown-up that has their back. So let's do our wrap-up. The wrap-up is always the same. How have you got this? For right here, right now, two children... Negotiated new car lease, uh, you know, the, the schedule, the school dynamic, everything that's on your plate. You just And your husband. Wait, we didn't even, that was the first thing we were going to say. And my husband, because right now I'm stressed that, did he put them to bed? Sure. Did they both eat? Like, did my daughter not just have a bottle? Did she actually have her baby food? Yeah, yeah. So it's... So how have you got this? How, how... Can you trust him to have made it through tonight so that you could come here and do this great thing? Just let it happen? Just let it happen. Because you, I mean, it was very funny when you described yourself as the stress mom. Because I was like, Wendy's so much fun, and she's funny, and she rolls with it. Most of the time I do, but when it's really bad, it's really bad. It gets overwhelming. It gets overwhelming, and I need, like, a break, but... 
you just go back and somehow you just do it. Do you get the breaks when you need them? Yes. Okay. That I do. I will say yes, I do. Because this podcast goes right into self-care. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Julie, how have you got this? I've always lived my life with something called my three-week rule. And I love to share it with other people because it really helps friends with any situation that they're in or, or everybody with any kind of situation that you're in. And whether it's three weeks, three days, three hours, three months, three years, whatever it is, whatever you're experiencing in the moment is not really going to matter as much in three hours or if it's something bigger, three months, three weeks. And, you know, going through breakups or going through potty training or whatever it is, eventually you just get through it and you move on to other things. And so I live my life with the three-week rule. And I love it. Whatever happened last night, I don't remember. Today's a new day, and tomorrow's another day. And I'll go to sleep tonight, wake up tomorrow, and whatever those things are that I have to deal with, I deal with. One minute at a time. <laughs> that is the perfect wrap-up. You must have planned it. <laughs> Thank you both so very, very much. So that's the mess for today. We appreciate you listening to See Me, Hear Me, Love Me seeing little people learn and grow, listening to parents taking a crazy, uncertain journey, loving the fun and loving the mistakes. You write the rules, you write your story. We just want to be part of the conversation. But in the end, we know you got this. We'll catch you next week. Take care. Oh, 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 wait. We're growing too. So if you had a great time today, please spread the word to a friend. You can also join our conversation on Facebook. That's with Karen Deerwester. And there's great parenting resources for you at www.familytimeinc.com. Thanks so much for listening. Thanks to everyone at B'nai Torah Congregation for this lovely space. Thank you, David Dweck, for that sweet voiceover. And thanks to the front and the follow for the song listen. We are listening. Thanks, everyone. See you next week.